Hello, 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 and welcome to the first ever episode of the In the Clutch podcast. My name is Drew Clutchy. I'm here along with my co-host, Jeremy Wilson. How are you doing today, Jer? Not too bad. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm doing okay. It's hard to believe. I, can, I always get stuck up that we're already at just past the quarter mark of the NBA season. Can you believe it? Yeah. Because yeah, it's from, been quick. Yeah, no, exactly. Because like I've been messed up ever since the bubble. Because you have mm. the Lakers winning the championship in October. And then we started a new season in a rush at December. And we went through free agency and all the, the draft, all that kind of stuff. And then we're already into the next season. It ends in July. And now we're going right through. And we're trying to get back to the normal NBA timeline. So that puts us now where I try to keep track. The Lakers won the NBA championship just over a year ago. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But two it's seasons. Two seasons, but uh, like 365 days worth of time. I was yeah. watching ESPN like a month ago and I saw that and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I just can't keep track anymore of where the NBA timeline is. And it's different from the uh, NHL timeline. They did their own bubble during COVID and it's just hard to keep track of it all. So I understand that you've picked two teams that you're impressed by hmm. at the quarter mark of the season so far and two teams that you're unimpressed by with what you've seen. So why yeah. don't you get us rolling here? With, we'll hear about what you have. I mean, you're talking about the Lakers winning a championship just over a year ago, and now I'm not sure what's wrong with them. They're, uh, I think, 11 and 11 right now and just absolutely mediocre. I'm not sure. Team with LeBron and Anthony Davis should be better than that. But. Right. Well, fair enough. And then you throw in the Westbrook, too. So I should touch yeah. on, at the time of this podcast, Jared mentioned the Lakers are 11 and 11. So at the time of the recording, it is December 5th, 2021. So we're just a little bit past that quarter mark of the season. So do you think it's a main fit issue between Westbrook and Davis and Braun? Yeah, I, I don't think they have enough shooting, to be honest. Yeah, right. Westbrook running point guard, like where's the, especially if you're running Dwight Howard at center, where's your spacing? Right. Well, and Anthony Davis, I saw a stat yesterday. Anthony Davis is shooting like 19% from three or something this year. Yeah, I heard, uh, I don't know the exact stat, but he has been statistically the worst jump shooter in the league all year. Which is just ridiculous. I um, And to think he made the top 75 of all time. So you have him in top 75 of all time. And they notably left off. So obviously, Clay Thompson's number 76. The Warriors made him a 76 jersey. <laughs> and he's having a rough time right now. He's been off for two years. But the left out of the top 75, they left out Dwight Howard. Yeah, Three-time Howard... defense player of the year, eight-time all-star Dwight Howard. Exactly. So <laughs> he's had a better career. Now, Anthony Davis obviously has the potential to have a better career. But yep. at this exact time, Dwight Howard has had the better career and they won the championship together and they didn't put him in the top 75. AD could or could not be in the top 75. We'll have to see. Anthony Davis, for uh, reference, is also an eight-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA first team, four-time All-NBA defensive teams. And like four think, all NBA defensive teams is great, but Dwight Howard won three consecutive defense player of the years. Right. So if you were to pick one, then who are you putting in the top 75? I'd pick Dwight Howard. I'd pick Dwight Howard. And that's been okay, among yeah. people I've asked. That's been a common review. Yeah. The other thing I think that's been interesting with the Lakers is they just, LeBron just looks done with it. Like there was the whole Isaiah Stewart thing where he punched him in the face. He only got a game. And then now the COVID protocols, he, he got sent in the COVID protocols on a false positive test, and he had no issues speaking out on how he really felt about that. So it's well, almost I find, 
I find the fa- false positive test pretty sketchy. You go to Sacramento, you get a false positive, and then apparently they didn't even test them a second time to check. They just immediately sent them into COVID protocols and didn't let them play. Right, so. but at 11, 11, 11 and 11, a quarter Yeah, of just the way to correct the season, that, they, they're actually 12 and 12. I, 12 and 12. So. At yeah. a 12 and 12, a quarter of the way through the season, that's not gonna, like that's not a pivotal game. Like LeBron misses one game to ensure because you need to remember, right? COVID, as a lot of the players have maintained through, it's more important than basketball. Right. Like we don't want, like we don't want LeBron's family getting sick, other people he interacts with, the rest of the Lakers, other teams. So to me, the false positive test, I'd rather have a false positive and have him not play a game or two and then come back mm. than have the whole Lakers squad or another team, everybody get COVID. Yeah, I think. I, I think the issue with LeBron was the normal COVID protocols. I think if you test positive, they instantly test you again to right. check. And uh, I feel like he thought in Los Angeles, they would test him again. But they were in Sacramento, so they didn't. Right. So. Well, the other thing, too, is I was listening to uh, Brian Windhorst in the Hoop Collective. Yeah. And what he pointed out, which he also had not realized, and I didn't realize, is because we just passed American Thanksgiving, they're making all of the players test for four days, I believe it is, because everybody was out Thursday. This past Thursday, there were no NBA games because that's when they gave the players the time off. And because everybody's been away, they're making everybody test four straight days. Right. So that's also, and that's why you see LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier now are in COVID protocols. LeBron was in and out, and there's tons of other players around the league. It's because they all had to get tested. Right. So, and I know Austin Rivers went into the protocols and he was reported as he didn't have any symptoms when he tested positive and then it just hit him all at once apparently and he was down and out. Hmm. So it's still a really prevalent problem in the league. Interesting. Yeah. yeah it's still so affecting the, all stuff. So like then that. would you still say the Lakers are one of the top teams in the West? They're not top two at least. Like, I got the Warriors and Suns over anybody else. I guess, like, currently the three seed is Utah and the four seed is Memphis. And I don't, I don't know where the Lakers stand in the playoff series against those kind of teams, but Warriors are 19 and four without Clay Thompson. Clay comes back and I feel like with the current iteration of the Lakers, if they play that fully healthy Warriors team, it's Warriors in five or six. Right. So, on one of the teams, one of the two teams that I said I'm impressed by, I obviously have the Warriors. I'm assuming you have them as well. I, I did do, yeah. So the Warriors to me are incredible because everybody's so obviously Clay's been gone two years. Everybody's been debating back and forth whether, oh, Clay needs to be 80% of himself or whether he should start or come off the bench and all these kinds of things, right? And to me, Clay Thompson, everything happened in his legs. He's still gonna be able to shoot. And then all he has to do is be out there. And be a better shooter than Jordan Poole or yeah, Jordan Poole or Damian Lee. Hey, don't be trash talking Jordan Poole. Eh? No, I'm not. But imagine up. you put Jordan Poole gets to come in off the bench now and do his own thing. Yeah. And Clay Thompson. So you can't just crash two people, three people on Steph because he's going to kick the clay. So even yeah. if Clay is not the same as he was on defense, he doesn't have as much jump in his step as he did when he was back in back in his prime. He just has to be a better shooter than other warriors in the starting five and the, the floor will space out. It'll be better for Andrew Wiggins, better for Draymond. Yeah. You run the small ball lineup again, but put Draymond at center. You could even run Jordan Poole out there still and put play at small forward and put Wiggins at the four. Yeah. 
Right. So that's what I mean. So everybody's so panicked about what Clay Thompson's going to look like. And to me, the thing that stands out, it doesn't matter. He just has to be able to shoot. <laughs> if he can shoot like Clay Thompson and defend decently, he's going to make your team a lot better, no matter what. Yeah. I think everybody's too caught up on We don't have to have the 2015, 16, 17, 18 Warriors back. It's what the Warriors are now with Clay Thompson. It's not going to be the same. You don't need Clay Thompson to be the same defensive player he was because the team is different now. You have other people that play differently, defend differently, spend more time, less time with the ball. It's just take the current Warriors team and add Clay Thompson and you get a better basketball team. And the basketball team there without Clay Thompson, I think I'd have coming out of the West right now. So, right, exactly. I think Clay Thompson that steadily. Which to me, that brings forth a broader issue too. I hate the way that in NBA circles specifically, because I've noticed we don't do it in the NHL. I, for those who don't know, I'm also an avid hockey fan. I've spent my whole life playing hockey. And this is something we don't do in the NHL. In the NBA, we look too often to put an asterisk on an achievement or a championship or anything along the lines of that. And you see it with the Raptors championship. Everybody points to, oh, but Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got injured. So like the Raptors wouldn't really have won. Well, of course the Raptors wouldn't have won. It was the Warriors with Kevin Durant. But what you have to look at is when you look at both of those injuries in back-to-back games, those things happened. Mm -hmm. Like those were incident, like the Warriors were at the end of a four or five year run. And they were exhausted. They've been to the finals, like which makes a really makes for a really long season, right? Del Curry said the other day that Steph Curry has played an entire additional like 82 game season in playoff games. Right. right? That's exhausting. So it was the same when even in the 90s when the Bulls runs came to an end because they were just gassed. So to me, it's like that's a part of what happened. Yeah, right. And- because if the Warriors had had more young players, had they maybe like obviously like you can't trade away Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson or something, but like had they planned their team differently and not been so focused on winning between 2015 and 2020, then maybe they wouldn't have had those injuries because the players wouldn't have been as tired. Obviously some of them were coincidental. So to me, those are all events that actually happened. So we don't need to put an asterisk beside it. The Raptors won. Yeah. And I mean, especially how many championships are you going to find that you can't put an asterisk next to well, exactly. They did. They've already done it. Everybody in the NBA community has already done it to the Bucks. Yeah, you can go back to last year and say there were heavy injuries in the playoffs last year. That's the only reason the Bucks and Suns were in the finals. You can go back the year before with the Lakers and all the COVID impact that that had on the playoffs, and even going back to LeBron coming back through one. Draymond was suspended for Game Five, so people exactly. put an asterisk next to that. And exactly, you know, so Skip I think- Bayless can find any reason put an asterisk next to any championship yeah. LeBron won. So that's a whole di- that's a whole <laughs> different topic. But that's so yeah, I find that to be a broader issue across the NBA is we just tend to try to discount things. But to me, that's the way it happened. It's not like we have like the Sacramento Kings won the championship last year because tw- like if twenty nine teams they all got COVID and they just had to give the trophy to Sacramento. And the one Sacramento Kings fan that exists is like holding his jersey up. He's the only one at the parade. Like that'd be a different concept. But if one team, like obviously like the Lakers last year, they had some injury problems right at the start of the playoffs and then got kicked out by the Suns in the first round. That's something that actually happened. And they tried their best and they couldn't make it work given the injuries and the health of the players and the fit and all that kind of stuff. So to me, I don't think we need to ask, put an asterisk beside things. It's just a part of the way the season went. Yeah, you're always going to have injuries. You're always going to have, well, currently you're always going to have COVID problems. Like every team yeah. goes through it. Some teams got to make it through, right? 
which that's been a remarkably, the whole COVID thing has been a remarkably interesting issue mm. because it can affect anybody across the league at total random. So you look at the Raptors last year, they had an awful start and then they brought it to 500 at the all-star break and then boom, the whole team got COVID and it was over. Yeah. You had three starters, I think at one point missing all for COVID and which You're, we don't, we didn't have the depth last year to have that happen. Yeah. When you have an eight men, eight, nine men like rotation and three or four of them go out to COVID, now you're bringing out guys that should not be getting minutes off the bench, playing Jalen Harris significant minutes off the bench. And, exactly. Malachi okay. Flynn was getting huge minutes. He's not even in the rotation this year. Yeah. Speaking of guys not in the rotation this year, Chris Boucher has been totally cut out. Yeah. He just been- does not play anymore. I know, I know you've got some opinions on Chris Boucher if you'd like to share them. I'm uh, very content with him not being in the rotation. He just, he seems to, he caught fire from three last year briefly, and now he thinks he's a three-point shooter. Right. So I saw him take the ball on like a dribble handoff with 14 seconds on the shot clock and just fire a heavily contested three. It's like, what do you think you're doing? It's yeah, he's Kevin Durant. <laughs> Same height, but he's not quite the shooter. I'm honestly, I'm not a fan of playing small ball and not having a big man. I think the tallest guy on our roster is like six foot nine. And to me, that doesn't work. I like having a traditional big that you can put out on the court, especially when you have guys in the league right now, like Jokic and Embiid and Giannis. And I think you need a big to stop them. Ken Birch is still six nine, but I would consider him a more traditional big to me. Like to me, he can defend those guys. Right, but would you not rather have a guy like JV Brooke, Brooke Lopez? Well, JV can't defend. That's a different problem. Brooke Lopez like comes to mind. Derek Favors. I know he's a backup, but even just a player like of that general build, that playing style. Because obviously, well, you're not going to find a guy like Gobert like with that talent, but just somebody built. Different. I mean, the Raptors tried that last year with Aaron Baines, and how'd that turn out? Yeah, I guess that's true. We could move an asset though to actually acquire somebody rather than like just pick, pick up whoever we can. Yeah. I don't know who you're going to, you're going to move though. Well, that's the tricky position. The Raptors are in Scotty Barnes looks like a franchise player right now. So that at least gives us an advantage of that gives us a little bit of like a couple of years to try to throw something together, whether we decide Siakam and Van Vliet, we're going to stick with them and we're going to run it or rather we, or whether we decide that we're going to trade those guys away and we're going to pick something new, at least now. Mm. We know Scotty Barnes is here to stay. Yeah. And hopefully you can move Dragic at some point for something useful. Because Yeah, see, like a player like that, try to move him for just a, a physical, like a big person. Like whether or not it's a super talented big or anything, just to have somebody who we can put in for given possessions to guard mm. an Embiid, a Jokic, help be the help defender on Giannis Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to transition to one of the teams that I'm unimpressed with. Yeah. I'm going to go Portland. I have Portland too. That's interesting. I thought, see, I thought I'd be the only one with Portland, but Dame and CJ to me just isn't it. And it's so clear in my mind, you trade either one of them and get a big or like a bigger player, like an Anthony Davis type, like a, a, a stretch four. Mm-hmm. And you then the other team who probably has two bigs gets a guard. <laughs> so right. to me, it's like a clear thing. And the Ben Simmons thing, right? They went back and forth. 
if you could trade CJ and a package of stuff for Ben Simmons, that would be ideal. But I would trade Dame for Ben Simmons and move CJ to point guard and put Ben Simmons at power forward. Which I can see by the look on your face right now for the viewers who or the listeners who can't. JR is absolutely stunned by that statement. Well, I think if you trade Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons, you make your team worse. So I'm, I'm not sure I that's what Portland's you going make for your, right now. You make your talent worse, but I think they would have a better team. Because just based on the defensive side of the ball, you can't defend. Damon and CJ are both small. So to yeah, imagine how good Portland would be by adding Ben Simmons. CJ can yeah. shoot, so he can help stretch the floor. They have Norm Powell. Norm yeah. Powell is like a 40, mid 40, three-point percentage. He's top 10. I'll double-check that, but I think he's top 10 in the league for three-point percentage. Yeah, but I don't think you trade one of – obviously, Damian Lowe is having a little bit of a down season, but I don't think you well, trade one of the best shooters – one of the top five shooters in the league for one of the probably bottom five shooters in the league. But then how do you fix Portland? Because we've seen the Portland – so forget the McCollum for Simmons. I'm in with McCollum and picks and whatever you got to throw in for McCollum to get Ben Simmons. Right. I think you you don't move Damian Lillard, especially after he's committed to staying for so long. Right. So forget about the fact that Dame's having a bad season because we have to assume he'll fix it. He's obviously yeah. a phenomenal shooter. So we've seen the Dame and CJ show go to the conference finals, and they, they're on the longest playoff streak, I think, act, like active playoff streak in the NBA. I think they're eight seasons now or seven mm-hmm. seasons. How do you fix Portland? If you're not know. prepared to move Dame, because I think if you move, C- obviously you'd love to move CJ for Ben Simmons or mm. CJ and pack a package of things, but I just don't think you'll see enough interest across the league for CJ to really get anything. Yeah. That's the, the thing I have with Portland is you they're to me, they're stuck. They're good, but not great. They're in a similar position to where the Raptors were before the trade for Kawhi, but you're not going to trade. You're not going to get a superstar like Kawhi. Well, anyway, Interestingly, though, it's, okay, so was DeRozan better than CJ? Yes, I think so. How much more valuable was DeRozan than CJ? Because we traded DeRozan and got yeah. Kawhi, so why can't they trade CJ and a couple other things and get something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You got to find a superstar that's available, though, and I don't know if you'll find one. Because Ka- Kawhi's a special case because he wanted out of San Antonio. Right, but how many superstars across the league are you seeing that want to move right now? Ben, well, Ben Simmons, I guess, isn't a superstar. No, and but, I think Ben Simmons makes them better, but I don't think he helps them compete with the Warriors. So, just to verify that statistic, Norman Powell is exactly tenth in three point percentage. So, if you have CJ at the point, I'm not like obviously, if you move Dame, no matter what you move him for, you're not going to. It's the James Harden situation. You're not going to get back something equal value equal. today yeah. and you can't on the, nobody's going to make that trade but i still think you improve your team by having cj at the one and then having ben simmons at the four who can play phenomenal defense he can dunk and he can pass he can dribble he's a one-man fast break and then you still have norman powell at the two or the three depending on where you want to put him to spread the floor what do you think it would take portland to get Jalen brown i don't think the celtics would move on it which they're also, to me, a team that's been surprising this season. 
because obviously they had the whole internal issues with Marcus Smart coming out to the media and saying that nobody will pass him the ball. But when you pass Marcus Smart the ball, he shoots like a fadeaway three from the logo. So, I mean, that works against the Raptors in the playoffs. But yeah. other than that. So I was thinking about that last week. The team that I hate watching the Raptors play the most is the Celtics. Maybe it's just in my head, but I feel like we never beat the Celtics. Like whenever I watch a Raptors Celtics game, we always lose versus we'll play, we'll play the Warriors or something. I'm like, oh yeah, we could beat the Warriors, but we're playing the Celtics. And sure enough, Marcus Smart is 23 points and Tatum yeah. is 30. And I'm like, we're going to lose. It was ridiculous the last time they played the Celtics in the playoffs. I remember Marcus Smart was like, I don't know, something like a 33% three-point shooter during the year. And then hit like, feels like seven to nine threes in a game or something. Yeah. So like, how are you knocking down contested threes when you're not a good three-point shooter? No, exactly. But going back to the original point, I don't think the Celtics have enough depth to really make a dent. I think they're in the same situation Portland is, where they're good, not great. Mm. And uh, But I don't think they'll move on, on Jalen Brown because Tatum and Brown are both still so young that you have nothing to like you have more. It's kind of like the Giannis situation was you have time to ride it out and hope they get over the hump. Right. Looking at just uh, where teams are at right now, I figure Portland's got like four options and people they could trade for. Okay. You got Simmons, Siakam, Sabonis or Miles Turner. I guess I'm counting both those as one or like Porzingis from Dallas. Porzingis is an interesting situation. I just don't believe his body type is built for the current NBA now. If you watch, I don't know how many Mavericks games you watch. Not, not fair. I was, yeah, so I was thinking. <laughs> but if you watch the Mavericks play, Porzingis just looks slow. His offensive talent's obviously phenomenal because he's right. seven foot three and can get a shot off whenever he wants. But they put the ball in Luca's hands. And Porzingis is kind of like Luca will pass to Porzingis if Luca gets stopped, but he won't like find Porzingis. And then you can give the ball to Porzingis with eight seconds left on the shot clock and he could take a floater or a three or whatever. And he's a good offensive player, but I just don't think his body type fits the current NBA anymore. He looks too slow, especially when you play a team like the Raptors. He's like a talented version of uh, Boban. Right. And a slightly more athletic and quicker, but in the same way, we don't play Boban. Right. Like the Mavericks don't play Boban. Right. He gets limited rotational minutes, but not too much. So if I was Portland, let's say you're going to move C just for the fun of it, you're going to move CJ. I don't think mm. you're going to get enough value back in Porzingis because you're going to be hurt on the defensive end. Right. He doesn't play enough games consistently because he always, he's always banged up in one way or another. I mean, a team like the rat, I think I could be wrong about CJ's age. I feel like he's around 30. Right. Let me just, let me just uh, check that quickly right now. Um, so yeah, he is, he's 30. So a team like the Raptors, whose current timeline is, Hey, let's a bunch of 23 and 24 year olds or even younger than that. You wouldn't trade for CJ. Well, and the other thing is, I don't think Siak, same thing. I don't think Siak makes enough of a dead for Portland to get them over the hump. Right. So you need a contending team that has a really good player that they could trade for CJ. And I don't know if you could find one that's willing to part with that. If I'm Portland, and this is the last thing I'll say on the Blazers before we move on. If I'm Portland, I would trade Dame for Ben Simmons and 
maxi or a, a pick, whatever that works out to, or I would trade CJ and again, a package going the other way for Ben Simmons. Cause your best case scenario, Ben Simmons basically is a defensive player of the year, whether or not you yep. would vote for him, but he's in the running every year. Incredible passer, incredible dunker, one man fast break. Incredible and, dunker unless Trey Young's in his way. But yeah, anyway. well, to be fair, Trey Young, like six foot one, I, I wouldn't dunk over Trey Young. But um, Ben Simmons, if he can just, he doesn't even need to shoot the ball. He just needs to play power forward and shoot free throws. So if you can get, he does have to shoot free throws. So you got to train him to do that. Right. But that's, that's what I'm saying. So if I'm Portland, the best case scenario, Damon CJ situation, you've already seen it not work. Yeah. So if I'm Portland, I would move on and I acknowledge they're going to be widely criticized across the NBA because you're not going to get a better player than Dame. You don't move on from Dame. I disagree. You move on from CJ maybe, but, but to me, even if they can teach Ben Simmons to shoot a 70% free throw, kind of similar to a Giannis situation, right? Which like Giannis hit that game winner the other day on, it was like a zero and it was a reverse with his right hand going. He was kind of looking backwards Yeah. and it was a game winner. And it was against Charlotte actually. And he wasn't afraid to be fouled. Yeah. Cause he's like, I don't know exactly where he's at right now, but it's, he's a 70 some percent free throw shooter. Right. And that's, so you just need him. You don't need, you don't even need Ben Simmons to shoot the ball. You don't need him to be a good free throw shooter. You just need him to be acceptable. You need and to if be, you can get him to yeah. that point, then you're fine. Yeah. That, that's what I'll say about Portland is I don't know if you move CJ or move Dame, but if I was in Portland right now, I'd be moving one of them. Yeah. I, right. I think you have to move on from the Dame CJ situation. I think that's over. But you think oh, the only way to do so is move CJ. Yeah, I don't think you move Dame when he's committed to staying and he has been by far the best player in franchise history and you're not going to get a better player back. Right. So to speed things up, my other unimpressed team was the 76ers because I feel the same way as the, about them as I do about Portland. So right. we'll avoid, as we touched on Ben Simmons throughout that entire segment, I feel the same way about the 76ers. What it, they're not going to get a player back for Ben Simmons because... Now he doesn't, he can't shoot. He spent so much time away from the team. Other teams are going to be worried about his commitment coming into a new team. Just trade him for CJ, essentially, yeah. like, or a player of that value. Just make something happen. Rid yourself of the situation because you're blowing through and beat prime. Yeah. And like Daryl Morey's got to have some reasonable expectations here. I know as a, they have no leverage since Ben Simmons is just won't play for them seemingly right now. Right. And Daryl Morey at the beginning of the season was like just before the beginning of the season as the Raptors for like, like was Van Fleet and Anobi and like four first. Yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> like I would barely trade you and Anobi for him. So, well, and he said that if it takes, I think it was four years, Ben Simmons has left on his contract. And Morey was like, if it takes four years, it takes four years. And if I'm Embiid, I'm like, no, no, it will not take four years. It will take until the trade deadline of this year and then it must be done. <laughs> if it takes four years, I'm not here for four years. Because so. the other thing is like, they, they still have, a, like they have Seth Curry, they have Tobias Harris, which I'm be- a huge Tobias Harris fan now. I think he's, in terms of assuming you can't have a superstar at the four, like Anthony Davis or something. Yeah. I believe that Tobias Harris is the ideal four for the modern NBA. He can create his mm-hmm. own shot. He can shoot the three mid range. He can get around the rim. Obviously he's not 
a stud on defense. I don't think he's like below average. So I think he's the ideal four now for the modern NBA, assuming you yeah. can't have a superstar and playing your four. He's like similar to OG and Anobi if you moved a little bit of OG's defense to offense. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And OG also, I agree, like with OG being a good four, a similar to similar to a Siakam. Yeah. Although he, Tobias Harris has more than just a spin move. So I, I prefer that even more. <laughs> you trust Siakam? You trust uh, Harris to take a, any kind of shot with the game online where I do not trust Siakam to do that. So. Exactly. And I'm not just saying that because Harris is on my fantasy basketball league. <laughs> okay. So uh, hit me, hit me with another team, Jared. What else are you, what else do you want to talk about? I had the bulls in mind, but I think I want to add the Hornets to that. I'm pretty impressed with both of those teams. Even Who though you were impressed are with 11. probably the bulls. I honestly, when the bulls were making moves in the off season, I was like, they're making a lot of moves to be like a six seed. Right. Like, congratulations, your team's mediocre now. Right. But at 16 and 8, and with like the combination of like Lonzo and Levine and DeRozan and Caruso and Vucevic, and I'm forgetting who their power forward is. Well, it was Patrick Williams, but he's down and out for the year now. Yeah, I I still like their power forward. I can't remember who it is right now. Um, but they're like they're an exciting team and they are a good team. Which I did not expect. Yeah, well, part and part of that's based on the play of Demar. We all forgot about Demar because he spent a couple of years on a crappy San, and- well, not even a crappy San Antonio team. Because if you have Coach Pop, you're always going to be okay. But yeah. just on a non, a not exciting San Antonio team. Yeah, and it's it was just as we do with I'm sure lots of players on San Antonio when San Antonio is not winning championships. Nobody watches the games, so right. He's a, he was a good player on an okay team and nobody was paying any attention. Right. So now he's back in. And I know the number one thing we debated about in the offseason was the fit in Chicago. Right. Because Levine can shoot and Lonzo can shoot and DeRozan cannot shoot. Patrick Williams can't really shoot, which I know yeah. he's not in the, but at the start of the season, that was the starting five, right? Mm. So it was going to be whether or not there was enough floor spacing. And They've made it work and they even made it work for a little bit when Vucevic was out. Right. And like you said, they're six, they're 16 and eight. And it so seems they, like a, it doesn't seem like they have a real power for it. It seems like they started last game with uh, Lonzo Levine, Caruso, DeRozan and Vucevic. So moved DeRozan over to the four. Right. Also Caruso. Have you seen Caruso play defense? I it's didn't incredible. know he was a defensive stopper like that. I didn't know. Yeah, I agree. I didn't know he could defend at that elite level. I thought he was like a good defender for your sixth man. I didn't realize. And especially when I watched him put the clamps on Steph Curry on a couple of possessions. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know he could defend at that level. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Again, I don't watch all the teams enough to know exactly who's the best defenders in the league. But I feel like he defends at an all NBA defensive level. Well, I was just watching ESPN the other day and I can't remember who it was. It might've been Zach Lowe or RJ. And they said that they'd pick Caruso for defensive player of the year. It might've been, it might've been Kendrick Perkins, but to me, there, Kendrick Perkins has some hot takes. Yeah. That's a hot take, but I wouldn't pick them for defensive player of the year, but maybe they're in the top five. Like, yeah, I'd I, put Caruso in the top five. Yeah. How's, how's Caruso's got to make an all defensive team. I feel like. 
Yeah, and I think he will. Especially, well, especially at one of the guard spots. Yeah, you, you can't see like Giannis, Giannis and Gobert and guards in the league. Yeah, a lot of yeah. the a lot of the players in defensive player of the year running are like Embiid, Giannis, Gobert because they can yeah. get blocks and alter shots in the paint. So I think it's easier to get on the defensive team as a guard. Yeah, that's the issue for OG. I think OG's easily one of the best defenders in the league. But how are you going to surpass, you know, Giannis and big power forwards who are getting blocks and are considered forwards? Well, and the difference with OG, I find though, is I don't always feel like it impacts winning. I disagree. I've he consistently guards the best player on the other team. And I remember watching, again, that playoff series they played against the Celtics where he would guard whoever was, like, he was on Tatum because Tatum was the best player. But then when Kemba started feeling it, they just switched OG onto Kemba. Like, he's right. just good enough to defend it. Anybody one through five that's going, put OG on them. Right, which is a huge advantage. Yeah, and he you can actually defend guard center. So. As um, Mikhail Bridges in Phoenix. Oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Bridges. Both Which bridges, Warriors, Warriors and Suns split the it was two it was two consecutive games for the Warriors. There was one thrown in between for the Suns. Mm-hmm. And they split them. Is that an indicator to you as to is one team more powerful than the other? Or do you think for you is it just two regular season games? I mean, it's it's tough to tell. The Suns won the I was pretty impressed with the Suns winning the first one, especially since Booker went out in the first in the second quarter, I think. Right. Um like Booker only played 15 minutes during that game, and Booker didn't play at all during the second game. Right. Um, but again, they're missing Clay. So to me, the first game I think had a more intense feel to it. I watched uh I couldn't watch the actual game, but I watched the highlights of it at the end and good defense, good shot making, and I don't know. I feel like if uh those two teams play a series in the playoffs, it's gonna go seven games, and I'd probably pick the Warriors for the sheer you know, Steph Curry factor, but well, and on that first night, Steph Curry had an awful shooting night. That was like the worst in his career. shooting night. Statistically the worst uh, game he had had with 20 plus shots in his career, which last night. So I watched, and that was a lot. That was a lot to do with Mikael Bridges. Like you were talking about his defense, right? Well, absolutely. And I watch a lot of Warriors basketball, both because it's so entertaining to watch. They just move the mm. ball so quickly. And also, I got Steph Curry on my fantasy basketball team. So <laughs> we, we kind of ride or die with that. That's kind of for uh, how my team is going to go. But last night, Curry is like one of 14, right. I think. But he still had 10 points because he been fouled so many times. And then he went like four or five to end the third quarter and then went into the fourth quarter. And they still ended up losing because at one point they were playing the Spurs. They were down like 22 points or something. But the teams just throw everything they have at Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. So if he can be now, he'll get to kick out to Clay Thompson. You'll have yeah. to stop throwing every single thing. Because like they're like, there are multiple possessions last night where they're triple teaming Curry. Yeah. Like, not even double teaming. They've got three guys on him because if Damian Lee, Jordan Poole, like, if they have an off shooting night, then you're going to beat the Warriors. Yeah. And even last night, it was close. It's so exciting to watch. What they do is they'll put Draymond holding the ball. And what they did last night, for example, was they had Toscano Anderson and Curry standing side by side on the wing. Hmm. And Toscano Anderson made it looked like he was going to set a pick for Curry. And then Curry came up and around 
and Toscano Anderson just went right to the basket and both defenders went with Curry and it was just like Draymond just like lobbed the yeah. ball in there. Boom, dunk. Yeah, and just so much gravity for Curry that people are just going to follow him. Leaves everybody got, else open, right? Like when Giannis, for example, like they'll put two guys on Giannis when he has the ball. Mm-hmm. But because Curry is so dangerous just from everywhere, they put two guys on him when he doesn't have the ball. So like they get the Warriors get so many like open dunks and stuff like that just from yeah both defenders go over the screen with Curry or under they run back screens and all that kind of stuff they go baseline and both defenders go and they just get wide open situations and part of that's Draymond's so good such an excellent passer yeah and I'm not sure um, just to comment on how insane Steph Curry is I don't know if you saw this leaderboard Uh, it was games with nine or more threes made all time right number one was steph curry number two was steph curry in november yeah and number three was damian willard and james Harden. right and that's that's 27 points of only threes 10 different times in november and he's the best free throw shooter of all times so that like right there puts him over 30 it's it's ridiculous there's nobody in the league right now i would take over steph curry so I've been, yeah, I've maintained that statement, which I thought for, for a little bit, it was a hot take, but now it's just an acceptable statement. I've got him number one. Not that, you know what? I talked to the NBA and I don't get to submit an MVP ballot, but if I did, I would have Steph Curry at number one. <laughs> uh, that's the MVP ballot. It's interesting. I feel like it's got to go right now, at least Steph Curry and then Kevin Durant probably, but then who's next? Giannis? Oh, I would put Giannis for me. Giannis is at the two. But Giannis See, is the th- three or four seed right now, and Kevin Durant's the one seed. Yeah, but the Bucks have had tons of health issues. Middleton right. was out for a while. Drew Holiday went down in the first game of the season. And to me, I think Giannis, uh, people focus too much on what they call voter fatigue. Mm, it's yeah. just like Giannis is already one defensive player of the year. He's one MVP, finals MVP. But for my situation, and when the Bucks won the championship, I said that Giannis at this exact moment is the best player in the world. Now that yeah. to me is a very fluid measurement. It changes all the time, but at that exact moment, Giannis had just won the NBA finals. He dropped 50 and he hit like 17 of 19 free throws played excellent defense. So for me, it's, you can't take into account like voter fatigue or he didn't improve like every year in MVP voting and defensive player mm-hmm. of the year voting. Because it's what more do you want him to do? He can't do yeah. anything else. He already has 30 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, or six assists, maybe four blocks, two steals. <laughs> There's nothing more he can add to improve. Right. Assuming he shoots his free throws well. Yeah, I agree. And again, to, just another comment on how insane Giannis is. I, the Raptors played the Bucks. I don't know, three, four days ago or something, um, and won. And I hadn't been able to watch the game, so I went to just look at the box score, and I saw that Giannis didn't lead his team in points, assists, or rebounds. I was like, oh, so Giannis didn't play. Right. Because it's not like he would have a down game and not lead his team in any of those categories. He will lead his team in something. Exactly. He's so just like, so dominant. Oh, yeah, Giannis must not have played, and he didn't, and that's probably the only reason the Raptors won that game. Right. So to me, that's why Curry is number one on my MVP ballot is because just everything he does, even with his 
mere presence on the floor changes the game and how teams defend the Warriors as a whole, let alone the fact that he can be triple team the whole game and still score 32 points. But I'd put to me, Giannis is the clear second. Yeah, it's a uh, tough to tell, but I mean, Giannis is averaging one point per game less than Kevin Durant. Right. Is sixth in the league in rebounding. At how and, many? Uh, he's at 11.8. Right. So game. more than a double double. More than a double double. Kevin Durant is averaging 7.7 rebounds. And then when you go into assists, Giannis is averaging six. And I'm not sure where Durant is on this list, but I'm. Yeah. To me, to me, I just don't think it's a close thing. I feel it's like, not a, go ahead. But if you if you're gonna put somebody the ball in somebody's hands with a game on the line, I'm probably gonna give it to Kevin Durant still. Because it's just oh, absolutely. Ability. But so I don't like, think that puts him ahead in the MVP voting. No, the the only thing I would have that puts him ahead in the MVP voting is he's the one seed as of right now. Right, which that's so. that's fair. Your team needs to do well. Yeah. So I'll give you one more team. So I'll give you one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out for the rest of the season. Okay. And then I'll get you to do the same to kind of wrap things up here. So okay. one, th- one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is I want to see how the Cavs play out. Because the yeah. Cavs have been running Sexton and Garland <laughs> and then Lowry Markinen at the three. And then they run Mobley and Jared Allen which yeah. Mobley is in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. I wouldn't pick him over Scotty Barnes yet, but that's a whole different debate. But they've got three bigs, and Mobley and Jared Allen together are just a defensive force in the paint. They're terrifying. So now they're 13-10 and 10 at the time of recording, but Sexton's out for the season. Right. But Ricky Rubio is playing great basketball this year. So yeah. obviously you'd rather have Rubio coming off the bench to fill those minutes. Like they're – You'd rather have him coming off the bench just to give your team depth. But having to put him in the starting lineup, it's not the end of the world. Garland, since Sexton's gone out, has played well. So I'm interested to see, because obviously behind the Cavs right now, the teams immediately behind them are the Celtics, the Hornets, the Sixers, the Hawks, and the Knicks. So like on paper, I would pick any of those teams over the Cavs. So the Cavs are the sixth seed, so they're above the play-in. So on paper, I'm I'm picking the field to overpass the Cavs, overtake the Cavs. But I'm interested to see if we'll see now like t- more teams reverting to what the Cavs are doing because you have the Raptors on the opposite end who are playing small ball. But in like the early 2000s, 2010s, it wouldn't be unreasonable to see a guy more like Lowry Markinen kind of shifting towards the three. Yeah. Right. Putting him at small forward. But now that we've seen what the Warriors have done, it's kind of changed the scope of the game. So I'm interested to see if they can really keep the pedal down or whether or not they'll keep playing the three bigs just kind of it's what they have on their roster. Yeah. I, I love the idea of the Cavs more so because again, everybody in the league, like how the Warriors change the league, everybody in the league is playing small ball. You can have one center maximum sometimes. Right. And the Cavs are like, let's run three. Right. So I know Sexton's out for the season, but just put Taco Fall in that center, shift Lowry up to shooting guard. And <laughs> that's a hot Mobley. take. That's what that's what they should do. Uh, yeah, it's a. I love the idea of them just having going totally opposite from the entire league and going, yeah, let's just play three centers. 
Like, forget and it. It's, so far, it's working. They're better than half the teams in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I agree. All right, so one thing you're looking forward to for the rest of the season or one thing that you'll be closely watching? I'm not even sure if this counts as the rest of the season. I want to see the Bulls and the Wizards in the playoffs. You want, as in you want them both to make the playoffs? I want to see what they do in the playoffs. Uh, the Bulls will make the playoffs. I'm pretty sold on that. I don't think there's any chance the Wizards are going to miss the play-in, at least. Really, though? Think about it. Can you they think could, the Knicks, but... Do you think the Knicks can beat the Wizards? No. I don't okay, like so the then you're right. Much. Then, uh, assuming the Raptors won't figure it out, then you're right. So, I, I, think, the, I think both those teams will make the playoffs. Um, right. And I don't know, like currently the Bulls play Boston in the first round of the playoffs. Right. That's how things will work out today. And I don't think, I don't know if the Bulls can beat Boston. I, I don't know how they would do in a playoff series against a good team like that. Right. Now the Wizards would play Miami and I think Miami would kill them. But, right. Well, especially a fully healthy Miami. Yeah. Miami's Miami, built for the playoffs. Yeah. I think no nobody, I don't know if Miami will win a championship or anything like that, but I don't think anybody wants to play Miami in the playoffs. Right. Which I agree. That's just the situation. It'll be, yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I think too, the wizards didn't get enough credit last year when they Westbrook and Bradley Beal because the Raptors until the all-star break or right after the all-star break, I guess were close to the play in tournament. Right. But when you look at it, superstars win games and win championships in the NBA. And Bradley Beal was having an incredible season last year. And as the season went on, Russell Westbrook figured it out and got back to his triple-double self. So I don't think the Wizards are given enough credit because they have Bradley Beal. True. So, like, they have a superstar, and a lot of the teams chasing them have all-stars. Right. Like, Bradley Beal would be the best player on Cleveland, would arguably or probably be the best player in Miami. He'd be close on Boston. He'd be the best player on Charlotte. So, exactly. Yeah. He, I don't know if he makes quite the tier of superstar to me, but he's the best player on a lot of teams. Which I agree. So to me, the Wizards are an issue. I don't think they'll maintain the fourth seed. I think they'll. I, I think we'll find the Wizards in the playing tournament. The yeah. Bulls, I honestly don't know. They're right behind the Nets, but I think the Bucks will obviously overtake them. So I think you'll see the Wizards in the play-in. I'm not sure if you'll see them in the playoffs. Because to me, what happens, especially because the play-in, depending on where you're ranked, is just one or two games. It could right. be anybody. And B drops 30, 20, and five blocks. Sixers are in the playoffs. If he and, does that in the play-in. Same thing if Tatum drops a 40-piece, Celtics are in the playoffs. And Philly's got... I bet you the Nets have no interest in playing Philly in the first round. Because who's guarding Embiid on the Nets? Kevin Durant, maybe. Like, I, I don't know. I guess, well, I guess. <laughs> Kevin Durant's got to be half the weight of Joel Embiid. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what you do. Like, you just, they're going to panic about it, right? So that's what I mean. So it'll be interesting just to see. I'm assuming Kyrie Irving's not coming back. So I wouldn't want to be in the play in at all in the East. No, I'm not sure I would. Uh, it's just the play in. I love either. the play in system because it, I it, do too. Uh, it motivates teams not to tank. But I think. As a team, you'd want to avoid the play-in at all costs because it's just too much. There's just too much risk mm. of somebody has a hot night and then you're out and then you play a different team. So, like, let's say you're the the seven seed, right? Yeah. So you're playing the Celtics and Tatum drops forty. Okay, that's the way it is. 
and you go down and play the Hawks in the next game of the play-in tournament, and Trey mm-hmm. Young has a 40-piece, well, that's it. You're done. Right. It's over. Trey Young is 40, 40 points and 10 assists. Great. Now you're out of the playoffs. I also am very interested in the Timberwolves. I think the Timberwolves could be a really good team. And currently well, they'd be in the play-in and just interested. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a run they go on or if they could put together a win streak. Yeah. So to close this out here, because we must be getting towards an hour, uh, this is what I'm going to call the tweet of the week. I know it was last week, but we didn't get the chance to record last week. But this tweet was so good. I just feel that it really deserves to be read. So this tweet comes from the great Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I'll read it word for word here. Quote, you won't believe me, but a kid just told me to try dunking my Oreos in milk. Man, game changer. Hashtag mad my girl didn't tell me sooner. Hashtag new bedtime snack. Uh, so I'm going to, I feel like it's fair that I coined that our tweet of the week, even though it came out last week. I have one extra tweet I want to throw in. That can be tweet of the week. I just want to throw this at the end here. Absolutely. Um, it was during... The Thunder game this week, Nick Wright tweeted, at this very moment, Darius Baisley has a plus minus of negative 32, and it's the best of Oklahoma City Thunder starters. Yeah, they got killed. The Memphis, Memphis, the Memphis list, John Morant, or the John Morant list met Memphis Grizzlies, and yeah. it was just the biggest, the biggest win in NBA history. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I thought I was reading it wrong. Uh, that's incredible. Anyway, just All wanted right, to well, throw that at the end. Yeah, no, I still think I have Tweet of the Week, but we'll leave it up for interpretation. <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's all we've got for the In the Clutch podcast this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.